This episode of Jude Talking to Me was recorded under lockdown conditions. Hello, I'm Rachel Krieger. And I'm Philip Simon. We're two Jewish comedians. I'm Orthodox. And I'm Reform. And this is the chat show that recreates the sensation of finding yourself on the miscellaneous table at your cousin Hannah's bat mitzvah. There's only so many times that you can ask guests their name before it becomes a tiny bit inappropriate. Each week we'll bring you two of our favourite funny Jews to chat about their lives and experiences growing up and how much Jewishness plays a part. Are they Western Wall or Wonder Wall? Welcome to Jew Talking to Me! So, Philip, what's the most Jewish thing that's happened to you this week? Well, I've been catching up on some old newspapers and I came across the recently published 40 Jews Under 40 list. Mm -hmm. uh, that's our community's rising stars. And I've just been wondering what's been happening with my life, I guess. Uh, oh. I'm 41, so I don't qualify. Like, I, I think the age limit never used to be 40. I remember looking at that years ago when I was 31 and there were 30 Jews under 30. And now they seem to have moved the goalposts. And once again, I've just missed it. It's like that thing, isn't it? With the drop down menus now, when you fill in online forms, all of a sudden I'm in the next age bracket long and I have to scroll down a little bit further. I mean, what can you do about it? I think I'm going to start my own list. I've decided that's the only way to get over this. Start my own list uh, and call it 50 under 50. Mm -hmm. Although, think about that to be on the safe side, probably I need to change that slightly. I'm going to call it the 50 Jewish Phillips with one L and a first name for a surname <laughs> under 50. Excellent plan. What about you, Rachel? How, how Jewish has your week been? I had a very interesting Jewish experience this week because I performed a gig for a Jewish charity and I thought it went really well. I could see people, it was on Zoom, I could see people laughing, I could see everyone in their little boxes and then later on they gave me the transcript of the chat that took place on the messaging service on Zoom and uh, it had a very interesting Jewish feel to it. Hang on, uh, let me read it out to you. She's very funny. Why aren't more people laughing or smiling? I agree with you. Ha ha ha. I'm loving it. This is a very challenging spot. She's doing great in the circle circumstances. Toughest gig ever. I'm loving her. It's impossible to do comedy on Zoom. How did you cope? Do they not understand that you actually are in the middle of a gig on Zoom? So why are they complaining that you can't do it? I don't know. It's like they didn't realise. And the thing that made me really laugh is it ended nicely with someone saying, you're so good that you've made my chicken soup travel back down my nose, which I think is the ultimate in Jewish compliment. Mm -hmm. But I think what made it feel so Jewish to me, it was like a combination of love and pity really. And I'd also say actually somebody commented that my eyebrows look really nice, which was a real treat. I'm just delighted for you that there was a reference to chicken soup because I know how fond you are of that. But look, it's not all about us. We've got some guests as well. First up is an award-winning TV and radio comedian whose viral videos are watched by millions of people. He also performs music as rapper Jester Jacobs. And I'm very aware that I sound like my dad when I say rapper Jester Jacobs. And recently appeared on Harry Hill's Club Nights on Channel 4. Please welcome Joe Jacobs! Hello, thanks for having me. How you doing? Good, well, good, welcome. Uh, tell us, Tasha, what is the most Jewish thing that's happened to you this week? I don't even think it's a week. I think it's just this whole situation. I think my Jewishness has helped me be well prepared for the end of the world in many ways. Because I already had existing anxiety, malnutrition, paranoia, and <laughs> have it confirmed with the current global crisis. So you're <laughs> having an existential crisis that was present before lockdown. I read magazines saying that people with anxiety are actually calmer during this because all their worst fears were suspected. And that's kind of how I am, really. But to be honest, I'm trying to keep my mental health good. 
I'm eating well, doing as much exercise as I can. So it's like a, a pandemic has actually increased my quality of life, strangely. Good to see you've, you've improved the quality of life. That's important. I hope that will continue as well. We're going to improve the quality of your life over the next half hour or so, if that's all right. Uh, if that's all right. Absolutely. Good. To do that, I think we'll, we'll get our second guest out as well. It's another award-winning comedian. Uh, she's also an actress, uh, singer, and here's my favourite job title, Twitter Agitator. Her popular YouTube series, EastEnders Lockdown, recently released its sixth episode. And actually, viewers, you might even spot our very own Rachel Krieger in episode four. Get out, Marshall! That was my audition. <laughs> Uh, I'm not going in it yet. I'm just saying. Uh, it's not important, but I'm not going in it. She actually also became an internet sensation last year when she wrote a Twitter thread about her time as a Christina Aguilera tribute act in Ayanapa for a venue owned by the Cypriot Mafia. Let's hope they're not listening in now. It's Suze Kempner. Hey! Oh, cheers, guys. Cheers, guys. Welcome, Suze. Tell us what has been your most recent Jewish experience. So, two days ago, cooked a roast chicken. It's been my every way waking thought for two days I can't wait to turn it into soup and I did it today I, I got to like late afternoon and I just turned to my mum who I am with under lockdown and live with anyway and um, turned to my mum and said I'm doing the chicken soup <laughs> I don't I don't know if you do but I have really strong feelings about what should or shouldn't be in it and how it should be made I Me am gonna say something controversial here Brussels sprouts what Mm -hmm. In chicken soup. Oh yeah, halve them, chuck them in. There's your sprouts in your soup. Best bit of chicken soup. I like that. I mean, it's different. Sounds amazing. Can't get enough. This has gone back through the Kempner's generations. You always have your sprouts in your soup. <laughs> I love the idea that in the Kempner family, if life throws you lemons, just put sprouts in your soup. Yeah, <laughs> it does sound like an old Yiddish proverb, doesn't it? But one that doesn't get used very much. I mean, you guys know me quite well. I don't think you've ever seen me lost for words before. <laughs> <laughs> Do you put any spices or any salt and pepper on it or just salt, salt and pepper and whatever's in a stock cube. I don't know what she's going to say next, anchovies. <laughs> oh. Oh, yeah. Pi pineapple. <laughs> Are we going to have to include a recipe section on our website? Not for this. I'm now feeling quite distraught, okay. but it's time for me to ask you, what's the matter, Bubbala? So, Joe, what's <laughs> bothering you at the moment? You've kind of sunk into the whole lockdown thing with joy. Well, I mean, without getting too heavy, the pandemic was one thing, and then we had, you know, the Black Lives Matter stuff going on, and it feels like it's a very divisive, scary time. I went to the Black Lives Matter protest. It was actually very peaceful, but it was my first time out in the world, and I uh, interacted with someone in an alleyway that was wearing a mask. I thought I was going to be attacked, but he was just really friendly. That's the new normal. I saw some funny things there though. When I was on the way there, a guy I was going to go with, he said to me, will there be Portaloos? Which I thought was quite funny. <laughs> like a I saw some good signs as well. I saw a white person holding a sign that just said, I will never understand, which I just quite liked. <laughs> <laughs> so Suze, what's getting your kosher goat right now? I think this kind of links back to what's the most Jewish thing that's happened to me this week. I've been ragging on Nazis a lot. As someone who is addicted to fighting on the internet, uh, it's a real good week for me to get underway with that. So yeah, I'm just on Twitter sort of 18 hours a day, but I'm using my powers for good. So what has brought the Nazis to your yard? 
this week? Did you post something that attracted them or did they post something that attracted you into the fight? I'd say it's a little from column A, a little from column B. I think to, to boil it down to one specific thing I tweeted would be a laughable, <laughs> a laughable task to try and discover what that one thing was because um, I think everything's making them angry at the moment mm. that I tweet and uh, I'm comfortable with that. It does seem that sometimes we look at your Twitter feed and it's a really innocuous post that you've put up that they have, I think you call them reply guys. Yeah. And, and they have very much just latched onto something that's completely irrelevant to what you were saying. I got in trouble uh, for making fun of FIFA games on the PS1, PlayStation 1, so basically late 90s football games and saying, ha ha, everyone on the games look the same. Someone went, that's a ridiculous thing to say. The technology wasn't what it is today. Like, oh, you got me. It's like a, a whole project reading your Twitter feed. I do save it, <laughs> I save it for long journeys. I mean, I used to save for long journeys. We don't go on long journeys at the moment. We go on long journeys in our minds now. True. I've got to say, I can feel Rachel's eyes burning into me because I've not done a very good job of doing the Jewish mother thing and asking, have you eaten yet? Obviously, Jewish people, we like to think about our meals. It's very important to us as part of our lives. So we wanted to ask if you have any special memories of Jewish food. Suze? Yeah, this is, oh God, this is a story that goes back many years. This is I'm probably going back over 20 years. This story apparently still comes up. I'm from, when it comes to Judaism, a pretty secular upbringing, but uh, various members of the family are, you know, devout synagogue goers. My brother and I went to visit cousins in some point in the mid 90s, and we would always go to synagogue with them when we when we did that, when we went to visit. So we went to synagogue and afterwards we stayed for lunch at the synagogue, big lunch. And my brother just went, excuse me, is there any ham? Oh, that's very sweet. <laughs> I do love when you visit a different synagogue and the kiddish they have there is different from what you're used to. I, we went to a reform shul and so the kiddish was all fairly, it was lovely, but it was fairly mm -hmm. normal. I remember going to my sister's Ufruf, we went to a synagogue in Cardiff mm -hmm. and the uh, Kiddush there included beer and ice cream. Wow! What? Oh, that's it, good. It, was, it wasn't a reform shul, it was an orthodox shul. Wow. I think it was because we used to go around, we used to go to my grandma's every Saturday for lunch. That was that was what we did. So there were loads of the food that was there. It was really familiar. There was roll mops, matzos, a big bowl of salad. I don't think that's a Jewish thing. Uh, but <laughs> she always used to serve ham as well. She was real bad. <laughs> <laughs> you joe have you got as, as controversial a story for us well, i don't know about controversial but i'm a big fan of shabbos meals I, I, I used to have one every friday at my friend's house my family weren't very keen on doing them but i had a like a second family that took me in and i really appreciated them over the years i think it's great that as a jew we get better food in prison because it would be kosher <laughs> did you know that? So if i was ever like in a sustained prison sentence on the one hand i'd have to be wary of shankings prison showers and extortion but you know, on the other fresh latkes would be available uh, <laughs> and everyone would be kind of eating their gruel but i'd have a shack shaker or something like that a number of years ago i was in hospital for a really long time and the hospital i was at they did provide kosher meals but they provided like the same meal for all your meals because you know most people they go to hospital they're there for like a day or two and I was in and out for like weeks and weeks and weeks mm. and had like three times a day the same thing and because this is um, a Jewish show I will tell you actually what the meal consisted of because you might care it was like a white fish a watery parsley sauce with lumpy mashed potatoes and really stringy beans oh. and my aunt and uncle came to 
they were like horrified by the food. Uh, my uncle said, you know what, this is really horrendous. They obviously don't care about your quality of life, bringing you the same thing day after day, like they've bought in a bulk order. And that suggests to me that the head of catering is probably quite anti-Semitic. And my aunt said, like, you're an idiot. Of course not. The fact that they're bringing her the same meal three times a day because they bought in a bulk order suggests to me the head of catering is probably Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> from alive. Oh, that sounds really bizarre. That's there must have been other food on the menu. You should have chucked a sprout in it. <laughs> I can't believe you're bringing that up. The sprout. I mean, you're setting a thing up between me and Sue. She loves stirring it up on social media. Now she's stirred up, and you're mixing in, Joe. And one of the things we like to explore is the Bruegers, the petty little arguments that last for generations and generations. I like to think that Susan and I, our great-grandchildren, won't be speaking to each other because of sprouts and chicken soup. And, you know, <laughs> also maybe Joe's grandchildren won't be speaking to my grandchildren because I said about how I would still be friends with Sue's if it wasn't for the fact that he threw in that fact again and again and brought up. So I'm um, curious to know from you if there are any, like, really interesting arguments that you would like to share with us. So there was um, a big falling out between my grandpa, Bernard, and his sister, Pat, because one of their children, I can't remember which one, but it'll be someone who's one of my uncles, had long hair at one of the other one's wedding. <laughs> ten, 10 years, they didn't speak. They didn't speak. They fell out over it for 10 years. It's very Kempner. So, Joe, are there any exciting little fallings out in your family that you're happy to share with the group? Yeah, absolutely. My, my dad is going through his second divorce at the moment, numero two, and there was a big fallout, a lot of high priced lawyers getting involved and he was facing bankruptcy and then coronavirus happened so now him and his future ex-wife had to quarantine together so that's quite pleasant that's like wow real spicy falling out that's been extended during this uh trying time it's awful but you know comedy are you caught up in the middle of it are you isolating with them uh i well i, I wasn't when it was all going on but i kind of come and go but the, the beautiful part of it is i never liked my stepmother and now we don't speak to each other and i can just move through the, the house like a ghost it's very nice that's a beautiful if image if you're talking about petty grievances i think this one really takes it to the nth degree <laughs> in a 30-year marriage crumbling and they're both jews so jewish people I mean, know how to argue well don't they yes I mean, we've been training for it since the desert. You know, we right. came out of slavery and we spent 40 years moaning. Honestly, can you imagine how many times people went, are we nearly there yet? Are we nearly there? What are we going to eat? What time are we eating? When are we stopping? Going to go to the toilet? It must have been really annoying. <laughs> Even more so if the only thing available to eat was chicken soup and Brussels sprouts. Oh, so Why are you even bringing it up? <laughs> Heaven. It's heaven, baby. That would get you through the desert, Suze, wouldn't it? That oh, would I, I wouldn't even get hot. <laughs> I'd just be there with my sprouty soup. And everyone behind you, you would be enjoying the breeze. That's it. Yes, exactly. You're welcome. I like the connections we're finding, whether we were wandering through the wilderness together, causing enough winds to maybe part the Red Sea, or whether we're just sharing recipes and things. These are loads of the connections that we have in life. We've taken a famous phrase and changed it ever so slightly to come up with six degrees of can't eat bacon. So, <laughs> Joe, we'd like to know if there's anyone particularly famous and significant in your family hiding away. Sadly not. No one famous in my family. The closest I could get was when I wrote uh, a rap song about Vanessa Feltz. And then she heard it and invited me on her radio show <laughs> to interview slash interrogate me about it. Feltsy, big up Vanessa though. 
all day. How did the conversation go? It was good. I was hoping it would be a bit of a career boost. But I think what happened was I didn't take into consideration the fact that a hip hop song targeting a youth audience about a regional breakfast broadcaster in her 50s probably isn't that the correct target demographic. <laughs> Any chance you remember some of the rap you could share a bit with us now? Don't make me rap on a Zoom chat. <laughs> yeah, I genuinely don't know if that was part of the rap. Is it kind of <laughs> oh, he is good, isn't he? Joe, what was the rap about, actually, in, in relation to Vanessa? I was going through a very prolonged period of clinical depression at the time. It was about how, like, Vanessa felt through it all. She'd always stuck to her guns and built a profile, raised herself up the ranks of broadcasting, TV shows, radio, and I found it quite inspiring. So the song was called Everyone's Vanessa Felting, and it was just like a positive female-based, you know, rap song, which I didn't hear too often. Everyone's Vanessa Felting. Yeah. That's beautiful. And Indeed. can our viewers and listeners find it anywhere? Is it still out there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, on YouTube, Everyone's Vanessa Felting. So Suze, do you have a family member or someone you're connected to that is particularly exciting? Oh, yeah, to me, yeah, and to them, I think. So my cousin is Teddy Kempner. And his first job, he's an actor as well, and his first job out of RADA was he was in the movie Yentl. Really? Oh, yeah. So they don't get much more Jewish than that. Oh. He's been in Les Mis and do you remember, Rachel, you're a big musical theatre fan. Do you remember a video called Hey Mr. Producer? Yes. I remember. I, can I? I'm also. Oh, Phil, of course, you're GSA, GSA uh, aren't you? Yeah. I don't want to uh, just let everyone else hog the limelight. <laughs> I am a big musical theatre fan and I'm oh, Hey Mr. Producer. What a great. Hey Mr. Great Producer. Well, yeah, Teddy is Seymour and Tanadi and that yeah so he's he's a he's a very successful Kempner and is there any truth to the rumors that Teddy has an amazing beard he does have an incredible beard it's true yeah I mean now it's the lockdown ultimate. there's a lot of incredible beards yeah. around Teddy has the ultimate beard and his uh, daughter Sadie got in touch with me over Twitter and she went hi my my dad's Teddy I think we're related and I was like making connections under lockdown so me and Did her she have an amazing beard she had the most incredible beard <laughs> yeah. you know you're the winning beard of the four of us today so that must be a nice feeling thank you means a lot <laughs> very well maintained can i grow a beard yeah i can grow a beard but very quickly it does make me look like i should be on a register <laughs> What always amazes me about your hair is that it just grows straight out like that. Yes, <laughs> it shades my face, so I, I don't get a tan here. <laughs> my hair grows straight upwards. Oh, like eraser heads. Like Kramer. We, we, I think we've got the same thing, Joe. Mine's actually getting to the point now where it won't go straight up. It's... Weight of it is holding it down now. That's right, yeah. This will be known as the hair-raising episode. It's safe to say that 2020 hasn't gone as we've expected it to. I think we're basically right on the cusp of Jews versus zombies. So uh, if it came to that, why do you have any amazing survival skills to survive the apocalypse? Like I said before, I'm finding that in the situation, I, I feel like I've been preparing for it my whole life. I feel like I'm resilient enough to deal with an apocalypse because I've accepted that I've lost a lot of work and I'm kind of ready to just shank pensioners for toilet roll if necessary. <laughs> 
you know, kind of, you get used to things very quickly. So for my crew, there's a weight chose nearby and then we'll get some armor with the spikes in it. My dad's got a lot of guns, uh, but he likes shooting big guns. But because of the divorce, he obviously had to give them up because you can imagine an angry ex-wife saying, oh, my husband's got firearms here. There'd be like a raid immediately. So yeah. but we could probably get the guns if necessary. My dad fell out with my grandma, his mom, for a while because my grandma lent someone my dad's air rifle <laughs> from when he was a kid. And this is when my dad was like 40. <laughs> they proper fell out over it. When you were 10 in my dad's side of the family, you learned to shoot a gun. And that includes me and my siblings. And I am a really, really good shot. Surely you'd be the best person in a zombie apocalypse because you are totally connected. I so am. I seriously. Just make some phone calls. For so many reasons, I'm the best person in a zombie apocalypse. You, Suze, have you got any magical survival skills that you think are going to make you worthy of our team? I can eat anything and I, I don't get ill. <laughs> I mean, that is properly amazing. I, I because... think I could digest a chair. <laughs> That's probably good, isn't it? That's probably good. In I, well, I being able to my... digest a chair. Yeah, I think I can. I can eat anything. Like when I was in Ionapa, I was a Christina Aguilera tribute act in Ionapa. Really? <laughs> yeah, I barely mention it, but. <laughs> Yeah, no, I was. In 2007, that was my job. And the other acts were out there. We got there. They said, don't drink the water. It's bad. Uh, you can boil it and drink it in tea or whatever. But you, we have to buy bottled water. It's not very expensive. So I was like, all right. And one day I just went, oh, I'm just going to drink it. So I drank some with cordial because it tasted really chlorine -y. So I had it with just like some squash. And I went, oh, guys, it's fine. I've drunk it. It's fine. And they went, oh, okay. So they all drank it. And everyone got really awful diarrhea. And I went, well, what can I tell you? I'm fine. And the same thing happened. There was a chicken shop um, called SDC, which was, it was a KFC ripoff. It was called Southern Dixieland Chicken in Ionapa. And we all ate there all the time. And then one night we all ate there. And again, everyone got terrible food poisoning. I was absolutely fine. And then they wouldn't go there anymore. Uh, and we called it sudden death chicken, SDC, sudden death chicken. I was all right. So I, I think I'm, I think that's my power in the zombie apocalypse and turning my eyelids inside out to freak out the zombies. I've been doing that wow. since I was six. If my mum was in the room, she'd be going, please don't do that. It's awful. But she's not in the room. She went to bed. Oh. I think you will survive the zombie apocalypse by eating through whatever barricades they've put up. Yeah. Um, and um, also turning your eyelids inside out so you look like a zombie. Yeah. You just fit in. It's brilliant. And Philip, your hair will project and like keep the path clear. <laughs> Philip's got shelter at all times. We can all, it's like a bivouac. We can shelter neath his friend. <laughs> that feels like quite an awkward moment in my life that my hair is now going to be referenced as a bivouac. Uh, <laughs> I think probably all had awkward moments uh, in our lives maybe when our relatives like to pinch our cheeks and say to all oh, haven't you grown so we wanted to know what it was like growing up in your brand of Jewish home well it's like I say it was this weird thing where I was kind of like an outsider but it was always part of life it's always something we knew that's where you come from that's what you are I'd always feel weird when we'd have to go to bar mitzvahs and funerals in fact oh can I tell my bar mitzvah story go for it yeah. I, I mean I didn't have one obviously it was my cousin's same cousin with is there any ham that one we we went to uh hers and it was a huge deal it was like the biggest deal ever which I'm sure is not uncommon but this was like it's very important everyone take it extremely seriously and it was on the day of the Spain England Euro 96 quarter final 
right mm. so all day everyone was just going oh, kickoffs kickoffs at three when are we going to watch it kickoffs at three kickoffs i was 11 i was and i was obsessed with the euros i thought it was the most exciting thing ever so i was like well, how are we gonna how are we gonna watch it all of our family would like huddle and go right we're we, we'll, we'll find a way we'll find a way it got to lunch and you could see it was half one and there were all these speeches one after the other and time was ticking by you could see everyone around all these tables going come on come on come on <laughs> i know that was then but it could be again and then it was like and now the rabbi was going to stand up and do a great big reading by this point it was like 20 to 3 so we were all kind of ah and the rabbi got up and like the best way i can replicate how he did his big talk was and everyone just started laughing because mm -hmm. <laughs> we all knew exactly what he was doing except for my aunt and uncle who were just like white knuckling the table mm. and literally he finished he was like right kick off then we all ran off to find some form of television in my aunt and uncle's house and then glued to the television so bat mitzvahs and bar mitzvahs for me will always just be uh, uh connected to england winning on penalties for the first time until 2018 <laughs> how about you joe any fond memories of growing up in your brand of jewish home i'm a reformed jew like you philip all the synagogue stuff in my synagogue was made of plywood i don't know if you had something similar what synagogue were you at was it edgeware I went to Middlesex New. I'm, I'm now sort of at Edgware. Yeah, I had Edgware Reform and it, it was just the cheapest place ever. And I grew up where you live now, I think, Boreham Wood. That's right. For any stalkers yeah. out there, that's <laughs> Boreham Wood is a very Jewish place. The vibe of it is, if, is very interesting. A lot of Jews, a lot of non-Jews. I, I lived next door to the EastEnders set by Elstree Studios. Ah. I used to disrupt takes with a broom because there was a sensor on the barbed wire and they used to send people no, they were filming EastEnders and I would ruin it. It's a child. Were you ruining it in the hope of them noticing you to get in the show or just ruining it because you were bored? I didn't like the character Martin Fadler, so I used to ruin his takes specifically. Have you got a rap about him? Not to hand. Suze, you know you're a big EastEnders fan. Oh yeah, I do. I, do I haven't that. watched it in years, but I wrote a rap song about the life of Pat Butcher when she <gasps> passed away. I did an eight-minute rap song about her entire life. Go on. Oh, not any, I can't remember any of it. Not a thing, but... Oh, that available to view? Yeah, That's yeah, on yeah. YouTube. I'll send you it. Rest in peace, Pat. Listen. <laughs> Let me take you back to December 1942. Appearing in this world where an and she bore two. Delivered early in the morn. Wrapped up in a cot by dawn. Patricia Harris was born. She met Frank Butcher, who was hooked up in East Anguilla. <laughs> Very highbrow. <laughs> <laughs> We're coming to the end of the show now, but how will our audience be able to track you down if you never call and you never write? Well, you can find me fighting with Nazis uh, at Suze UK on Twitter, S-O-O-Z-U-K. And I live stream quite often. I sing a lot and it is something I can actually do. It's not just like a, a thing that I'm like, well, I'll give that a go. I, I am a singer. Um, on Twitch, you can come watch me live on Twitch singing requests. Twitch.tv slash Suze Kempner, all one word. We're going to be doing a Streisand night very soon. We, we being me. Joe, <laughs> what about you? I'm on at Jester Jacobs at everything. <laughs> and uh, I'm on Joseph Jacobs on LinkedIn looking for gainful employment. How's LinkedIn working out for you? <laughs> <laughs> what can I tell you? I've had a lovely time doing this, and I will always now 
think of Suze as the Jew who ruined chicken soup for Rachel <laughs> and <laughs> as the Jew who would go to prison for the food. <laughs> as my grandfather used to say, I loved seeing your smiling faces arrive and I'll also love seeing your little tuchuses leave. So all we have time for now is to thank our brilliant guests, Suze Kempner and Joe Jacobs. Follow us on social media at Jew Talking without the G. And join us next time on Jew Talking to Me. You Talking to Me was hosted by me, Philip Simon. And me, Rachel Krieger. It was produced by Russell Vulcan. Oh, let's have a bit of you with your cat, because that is Russell's you... favourite thing. Oh, really? absolutely love cat footage. How old is he? Um, it's kind of unimportant, because he's never going to die. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> Suze, what's the most Jewish thing about your cat? Um... He bloody loves chicken soup. <laughs> <laughs> With Russell's. Yeah.